Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Today on episode 49 of Podcast Royal, Kate gets festive with a carol concert at Westminster Abbey. Christmas cards are out and we hear from Princess Charlene as she continues her recovery. Plus, we're chatting with the author of Earthshot, How to Save Our Planet, a cause our friend the Duke of Cambridge is staunchly behind and we all should be. Let's dig in. Welcome back to episode 49 of Podcast Royal. So close to that episode 50 landmark. How are you? I am giggly today for some reason. I think I know, I'm we're giggly like today. a lack of sleep or something, but um <laughs> our minds over here is what's happening. I am doing great and I am into two things this week uh, that I will share with our listeners. So first of all. I am into a Princess Anne fashion moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. How did I miss this? <laughs> so, you know, we know Princess Anne is usually pretty conservative when it comes to dressing. And, you know, she doesn't really make big fashion statements or take big fashion risks. So maybe that's why I noticed this outfit on her this week. But she went to the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst, I think, Um you know, she's usually in like all black or navy, like a suit or blazer kind of thing. But for this event, she stepped out in this green herringbone coat. She had on black leather gloves, this mm-hmm. gold brooch. And um, she had this like black handbag with a gold chain strap and this fur hat. And she looked really, really great. I loved the coat. It was like this nice green color in December. So super festive. Um, and really, it just makes me wish we had more fashion moments from her. So I give her a big round of applause. You know, I just wish we had more Anne moments, period. I mean, she is the hardest working royal. And that's not just me spewing conjecture. By number of engagements, she is consistently, usually year after year, with maybe sometimes Charles will get a win in there. But usually year after year, she is the hardest working royal by number of engagements taken on. And we barely talk about her on this show. She's just under the radar, just like Sophie. Anne and Sophie are working so hard. They're under the radar doing the work. And we never talk about them. And we need more Anne content in our lives. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she is, you know, head down in her work a lot of the time, and she's a pretty quiet royal for the most part. Um, But yeah, you know, I was really surprised to see her in that outfit, and I thought it looked really great. So I had to share that. Listeners, you can go check out the Royal Family Instagram account if you want to see that outfit. Um, So the other thing I'm into was also on the Royal Family Instagram account. They are back to sharing some Christmas treat recipes again this year. So remember they did it last year, they shared some stuff out and this year they've got a recipe for cinnamon stars. And what I loved about the recipe is it looked to be gluten-free from the ingredients. So to all of our bakers who are, um, you know, maybe you like to avoid gluten or maybe you just like to 
bake during the holidays. It's a good time to get your apron on and try out something, um, something new. It looked pretty, um, pretty simple. It was like a um, like a almond based dough that you roll out and put meringue on top and use little cookie cutters to cut, um, little star shapes. And, um, I actually kind of want to try it. I do too, actually. That would be fun. Yeah. So that's what I'm into. What about you? So I have recently become obsessed with Amelia noise designs. We were talking about this. Jessica and I went out for pizza on Sunday and I was showing her some of the designs I like, and I know you're familiar with her. So I have long admired her work. I know I've heard her as a guest on Royally Obsessed and uh, have about seven prints that I want to buy myself for Christmas. And I literally need to add an itemized line on my budget for Amelia Noyes prints because I want so many of them. Like I could decorate my whole new office with these prints. My coworkers would probably be like, what is going on? Why do you have all of these (laughs) images of the queen? And, but I mean, hello, spoiler alert. I think they already know this about me that I love the Royals, but she's a super talented artist that sells prints of her work. She sells coffee mugs, shirts, calendars, you can check out her work at ameliannoisedesign.com. That's A-M-E-L-I-A-N-O-Y-E-S design.com. Once again, this is not an ad. This is just something that I really like and I want. This would make the perfect Christmas gift for the royal fan in your life. Cough, Joy Birchfield, a.k.a. Mom. Are you listening? <laughs> Cough. <laughs> um by the way, I'm also into our super fans this week in particular, Rachel S for always DMing us useful YouTube clips to check out. We really appreciate you, Rachel, and all of our other podcast Royal Loyals, which is what I'm now calling our super fans, podcast Royal Loyals. So that's what I'm into this week. So we don't have a huge Royal rundown this week, which is okay. I think everything's beginning to get ready for the holidays and quiet down a little bit, but we do have more details about the Duchess of Cambridge's holiday carol concert, which is titled Royal Carols Together at Christmas. It was filmed last Wednesday, December 8th at Westminster Abbey, and it featured performances by the likes of Ellie Goulding, who is a longtime royal favorite, Leona Lewis, and the Westminster Abbey Choir. I love this. William also read from Luke 2, 1 to 7 during the event. The show honors Heroes of the Pandemic and will air on ITV on Christmas Eve, not the BBC, controversially. So the Cambridge kiddos weren't there, but plenty of royals were on hand. Speaking of royal fashion moments, um, we had Beatrice and Edda, we had Eugenie, we had Zara and Mike, Sophie, we had the Middletons, Carol, Pippa, James, and Alize. I loved how Kate, Beatrice, and Eugenie all had Christmas-toned outfits I don't know if that was coordinated maybe not but still it looked good and Alize rocked a houndstooth pantsuit get it girl like tell us who you are show up Alize so um, in the program for the concert Kate wrote we have lost loved ones seen our frontline workers placed under immeasurable pressure and we have experienced heart-wrenching isolation from those we hold most dear. Alongside this, we have seen how communities have come together to support those most in need. And through our separation from others, we have been reminded just how powerful human connection is to us all, just how much we need one another, and how loving and feeling a sense of belonging to one another can provide comfort in tough times. 
the importance of simply being together. In our roles, William and I are so fortunate to meet and spend time with phenomenal people across the country who day in and day out support individuals and families. And over the past two years, we have been inspired by countless people who have brought their communities together through simple acts of kindness. This carol service is our small way of recognizing the inspiring contribution so many of you have made. Thank you. So I'd love to know your thoughts on the carol concert. I know we haven't seen it yet. It won't air until uh, Christmas Eve in the UK. So God only knows when we'll see it. But um, I want to hear what you thought of the carol concert and the outfits and what your favorite Christmas carols are. Yeah. So, okay. Here's my thoughts on the attire for this event. I loved that Kate chose a classy and festive bright red dress for this. You know, the bow detail on the neckline, I thought really just made her look like a beautifully wrapped Christmas present. It was so just perfect for this event. Um, And she seems to really be into shoulder pads these days. Have you noticed that? The really defined shoulders? I have. I have. Loved her outfit. Um, I also loved Princess Eugenie's deep green, like it was like a cape coat dress type ensemble and it had the gold buttons on the front and she had it paired with these black tights. Her outfit might actually be in the running for my favorite of the night. Really, really beautiful. She looked beautiful. Um, I also saw a photo of Kate and William both looking at each other and Kate had the biggest smile on her face. She looked genuinely happy and excited to be there. And that was really great to see. Um, I didn't love Beatrice's outfit quite as much. She had this like long camel coat on and these like Mary Jane style, tall, chunky heels. Um, she also had it paired with this burgundy colored velvet headband. I know you saw that. Um, I did like the headband. Um, and I wasn't a huge fan of Ali's say it's a houndstooth pantsuit. Um, you know, (laughs) it's a a statement for sure. It's a statement and, you know, I'm a dress girl, so that's probably why it just didn't stand out to me as my favorite. Um, But I was really, really glad to see the Middleton family there to support Kate. It was honestly really fun and exciting to take a look at everybody, right? Like, you know, it's like a little mini red carpet event, checking out all the outfits and, and digging around through all the photos. Um, so yeah, I really loved the event, you know, and I think about my favorite Christmas carol. I really don't know if I can narrow it down to just one. Um, I truly love all of the classic Christmas hymns that you sing at church during this time of year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, Silent Night, Away in a Manger, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him, Oh, Holy Night, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem, The First Noel. I could keep going. It's so hard to choose one. Uh, Do you have a favorite? Ooh, okay. So I divide my Christmas carols into two buckets. I divide them into like the hymns. So I really love Silent Night. We always, at my church, um, we always raise candle. Like I could cry thinking about it. We always, and I miss this because I haven't done this in um, since Christmas of 2019. And I don't know if we're going to go to in-person service this year. I don't know. Um, but we raise candles to silent night. And um, it's just like the older I get, the more these hymns aren't just about, you know, it, they're just so much more meaningful now. And so silent night is a favorite. Oh, holy night is a favorite. Um, so that's my hymn bucket. And then we've got the like, um, like your, your Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You or Rock. I really love rocking around the Christmas tree. Um, and <laughs> um, gosh, what is um, 
the sleigh ride just hear those sleigh bells you know that's one that I won't sing because I'll you know everyone's eardrums I really enjoy um please come home for Christmas by the Eagles yeah Um, yeah I, I, that's a good song. Um, oh gosh, you know, I know a lot of people have their feelings on, you know, like the Santa baby and I love those. I love Santa Um, baby. Baby it's cold outside. I mean, you know, all of the fun. What do people say about Santa baby? I know what they say about baby. It's cold outside, but you know, some of the, some of the songs that you just hear over and over again, even like Mariah Carey's song, you know, people sometimes just get tired of them, I feel like, but, um, I do, I do have some songs that I hear on the radio that I get tired of, but I enjoy the more <laughs> jazzy romantic Christmas songs. Um, we're going to watch. So I told, I think I told you on a previous episode that there's a lot of movies, like it's a wonderful life that just, I'm just so emotional about these Christmas movies, but I'm, I'm really, I'm going to watch them this year. Like Miracle on 34th Street is on my HBO Max queue. And yeah. so really excited for uh, all like the actual like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, like having time, my gosh, to slow down for a minute and, and watch these, uh, watch these movies. Uh, this season is going by way too fast. It is December 14th and it's not okay. Christmas is in 11 days. Wow. Unbelievable. So, okay. Horrible pivot. (laughs) Unless you've been living under a rock, you're aware that you're aware that Jelaine Maxwell, or is it Ghislaine? Ghislaine Maxwell, right? Is on trial for her involvement with Jeffrey Epstein. During her trial, a photo of Epstein and Maxwell was shown with the two taken in front of a log cabin on the Queen's Balmoral estate in Scotland. The photo is said to have been taken around 1999 when the two reportedly visited the estate with Andrew, her majesty has been photographed sitting in what seems to be the exact same location before. So this is all starting to hit way, way too close to home. Was wondering if you had any thoughts on this. We had a really interesting conversation at pizza about this. We don't have to go into that, but any thoughts on, um, on this photo that was shown? Yeah, you and I did catch up a little bit on the trial and kind of what's been going on there. Um, You know, just really kind of icky feelings here. I hate to think that they were that close with some of the royals. I mean, we knew Andrew had been involved with him in the past, but I don't know that I realized they had been on royal property so casually like that. And, you know, kind of like what we were talking about at dinner, um, you know, there are people that seek relationships with royals because of the access, you know, that they get to that level of you know, power and money. And, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what they were there for at that time or what that picture was from, but definitely icky feelings. Yeah. Just, it's, 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 it's just too close to home. Um, anyway, so in much lighter news, we have the Cambridge Christmas card. Uh, the photo features the family of five on a private vacation in Jordan. And on Instagram, the Cambridges wrote, delighted to share a new image of the family, which features on this year's Christmas card and then a cute little Christmas tree emoji. We've mentioned this on the show before, but I feel like every single time we mention the country of Jordan, I'm going to say this, but just in case you weren't aware, Kate previously lived in Jordan from 1984 to 1986 when her father, Michael Middleton, worked for British Airways. What did you think of the photo? It was very casual. Like we never see William's knees. Somebody made a point of that and I loved it. 
Yeah, I loved it also. I thought it was a great photo. You know, everyone looked happy and sun-kissed. Kate was glowing. This has been mentioned already too, but her hair was absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. Who looks like that on vacation? On vacation, vacation, I'm struggling to get my hair brushed and there's Kate. Well, I loved her dress and the color coordination going on with the rest of the family. You know, they always have this way of looking so put together, but very effortlessly at the same time. Um, You know, it was, it was really casual with the shorts and the polo shirts rather than, you know, more dressy attire. You might imagine Royals wear in in a photo they're going to send out to everyone, but it was still very much planned out. And it made me think, you know, this weekend, I was kind of wondering about it, how much Kate maybe likes to be involved in that process or how much she prefers to rely on someone else help her put those things together. I mean, obviously with her schedule, there's no way she has time to plan those outfits on her own. So I'm sure she has help, but I wonder to what degree she likes to be involved in that sort of outfit planning for her kids. I have a feeling just because she's so hands-on, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I feel like she's got her hands in, but like you said, she is so busy, especially now and only getting busier, but can we just talk about how grown Charlotte looks? Oh my gosh. Okay. Did you not love just like those natural, almost blonde highlights in her brown hair? I mean, it I looks- know. I've never seen someone in my entire life get blonde highlights like that naturally, like just from the sun. I mean, that's incredible. And then she like, and then in the wintertime, she'll go dark, like go back to brown. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was a really great photo. I loved it. Well, meanwhile, Charles and Camilla chose um, quite an unusual photo for their Christmas card, although I guess it is quite representative of the pandemic. In the photo, Charles appears to be helping Camilla put her face mask on at Royal Ascot last June. It's kind of an awkward photo in my opinion, but what did you think? Okay, so this one I was not a fan of. No (laughs) surprise there, I'm sure. Um, So I think I get what they were trying to do here. You know, I think they were trying to go with a photo that captured the overall feeling of 2021 and do it in a funny way that kind of made people chuckle. Um, You know, but honestly, to me, it just looked more awkward than funny. And (laughs) that's saying something because it's coming from someone who actually thinks awkward is usually pretty funny. Um, (laughs) But it looked more like a throwaway pick to me. Um, You know, sometimes you have these like kind of accidental candid shots that actually turn out really good. But I just don't think this is one of those. Um, When I think of Christmas cards, especially this year, I want to see something that captures the spirit of Christmas and kind of takes my mind off of the heavy parts of the year. Um, Rather than, you know, remind me of them, I want something like heartwarming. I want an escape. Um, And I think they were trying to do that. It kind of... I could be alone in thinking this, but this photo kind of made me feel like maybe he's still exploring like who he wants to be in his role and the type of image he wants to convey to the public. (laughs) I hope Um, that is not it because that's awkward. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, does he want to take a more laid back approach like that? Or um, I don't know. I I don't know what they were thinking with that, but it, I mean, I I think overall it was kind of a miss for a Christmas card, but I'll I'll give it a laugh, which I I think they were hoping to get out of people. So I think the kids today would say it's a no for me, dog. It's just, it's like, I love awkward too, but it was just literally like you, you nailed it perfectly. Like it just looked like, you know, like when you're taking, like when a photographer snaps shots 
it's like one of those like just like a test shot like we're testing the shot this isn't the real shot we're just, it's just I don't know whatever who cares Merry Christmas like do your thing on your Christmas card but um it really is beginning to feel like Christmas as Rachel and Roberta alluded to last week on the show her majesty is expected to return to Christmas at Sandringham after spending Christmas at Windsor last year because of the pandemic so I think this is great news um additionally the queen's traditional pre-Christmas lunch for the royal family is expected to happen though probably at Windsor rather than at its usual location of Buckingham Palace. So yay, does this put you even more in the spirit? Yeah, you know, I'm glad they'll be back there this year. I know Sandringham is meaningful to Her Majesty and, you know, I think it'll be more like a classic royal family Christmas. So I'm really excited that they're going to be there. You think there will be the Christmas walk? I hope so. I hope so too. My fingers are crossed. It's just not Christmas without that. And um, so the Christmas speech is coming. Of course, it's at 3 p.m. UK. So that would be 9 a.m. for us in Central Time, 10 a.m. for our East Coast friends. And that would be, math is not my strong suit, 7 a.m. for um, our friends out on the West Coast. So excited as ever. It's, it's Christmas is in 11 days and that blows my mind. So it has been announced that Diana the Musical will end its Broadway run on Sunday, December 19th, which is in uh, about five days. The musical opened on November 17th and will only have played 33 performances at the time of its closing. And in my estimation, there are two reasons for this. Number one, why go to the theater when you can get it on Netflix, especially in a still going on pandemic? And number two, in my non-expert Broadway opinion, it's not fantastic. Um, I don't think you've seen it yet unless you're going to surprise me. So any thoughts on this closing after 33 performances? Yeah, I do think that you have this kind of like weird dance if you're got if you have something on Netflix like, you know, how do you how do you do that and not miss um, ticket sales to, you know, your your show, but um, yeah, you know, I didn't really get into this one and I I'm guessing that you're right. Nobody else really got into it either. Um yeah. With you know, so much Diana content this year, some things are just going to miss the mark. Um, and I guess this is one of them. Do you know what I'm so, I mean, I'm excited for a lot of things in 2022, but I, um, we've talked on the show about that L article that I really liked. Um, is this the peak of the Diana cinematic universe and the author or the writer of that piece, Lauren Puckett Pope is coming on the show. I'm so excited to talk to her about that piece because it is, is there ever too much Diana content? We're going to talk to the expert about that. So um, wrapping up the Royal Rundown, we have a birthday in the family this week. James Viscount Severn turns 14 on December 17th. James is the son of Edward and Sophie, brother of Louise, and is currently 15th in line to the throne. So happy birthday, James, from Podcast Royal. Um, and by the way, when you're done watching and just like that on HBO Max, everyone, check out the six-part CNN docuseries the windsors inside the royal dynasty it is narrated by rosamund pike and is a great look at our favorite family from the succession in 1936 to the present highly recommend i saw it when it came out originally in 2020 but i'm re-watching it and i'm on episode four and it's really good so i believe you have my hbo max password now so you'll have mm -hmm. to add that to your to your list after and just like that which is mixed reviews from me but that's another podcast for another day so 
Um, segment two, Royals Around the World, we're going to move to Monaco for a moment. So Prince Jacques and Princess Gabriella turned seven last Friday. And to mark the occasion, their mom, Princess Charlene, took to Instagram, writing, happy birthday, my babies. Thank you, God, for blessing me with such wonderful children. I'm truly blessed. Love, mom. And then a heart emoji. So Charlene, of course, continues her recovery outside of Monaco. And good news, Prince Albert revealed that he hopes to have a visit with Charlene and the kids by the end of the year, telling people it's what we most hope for, but there's no definite date at this time. So any thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I mean, I certainly hope they are able to get together, you know, around Christmas. Um, I would have expected, you know, that they would be able to plan something like that. So um, really hope for their family sake and especially the kids that they'll be able to connect with their mom soon. Absolutely. It's just good to hear from her, you know, I mean, um, we hope she's getting the care that she most definitely deserves. So anything else for the good of the order before we chat with our special guest? I don't think so. Kind of light little Royal rundown this week, next week. Super excited for our episode next week. Um, next week, we'll have our last episode of 2021 as we each bring to the table our top 10 royal moments of the year and what we're most looking forward to in 2022. I already made my list. Now I just have to come up with the bullet points as to why for each one. Um, I'll be excited to see kind of, you know, how we align and, you know, where, where we are on our yeah and I had to cut some like I it was hard for me to get it down to 10 like there there were a solid 14 that I had to I had to combine a couple and make it work but um next week it's an episode you won't want to miss I love this episode every year our second annual one of this and uh, we hope you'll join us as we close this wild and crazy royal year but before we do that we are so pleased to welcome to the show today Johnny Hughes co-author of the book Earthshot how to save our planet now Earthshot is a word we've said a lot in 2021 Obviously, that's been all over Podcast Royal this year, as it is the passion project of Prince William, who also wrote the introduction to the book. Take a listen to our conversation. We have spoken so much about Earthshot on our show, and we're thrilled today to have Johnny Hughes, co-author of the book Earthshot, How to Save Our Planet, which is out as of November 16th and features a Ford by Prince William. Welcome to the show, Johnny. We are so happy to have you. Thanks very much for having me. Prince William spoke in the introduction of how the Earthshot Prize was born in September 2018 in Namibia. It is now, as he writes, the most ambitious environmental prize in history and how he wants to bottle that innovation and community spirit and mass produce it globally. So, Johnny, how did you get involved in Earthshot and how did you get the idea to write this very important book? Well, uh, we came across uh, um, Prince William and his team probably towards the end of that year um, when we were in Davos, the World Economic Forum meeting um, in uh, Switzerland. And we were there promoting the Our Planet series, which is on Netflix, um, and also a, a film with David Attenborough, who you may know. Uh-huh. And uh, we just got in conversation really with, with Prince William and his team. Um, and we were thinking very similar things that in you know, our great and urgent effort to save the planet, we need to start telling a new story, which is a more positive one and one um, in which becoming sustainable is an aspirational thing and the future we can build together is 
kind of win-win for everyone rather than the story to date has been about sustainability being more of a sacrifice i suppose um and and so we align very much and i mean i'm involved with production of television and books as well um and so we started working with them then and actually uh, myself and my partner um my business partner colin butfield um we're kind of signed up now for the 10 years of the earthshot prize to produce the television that goes alongside it so Mm. Um, very privileged to be involved. Absolutely. Scientists say we are entering the most consequential decade in history and we need to act to restore the planet by 2030 or the damage could be irreversible. We'll all be impacted by climate change at some point, but can you tell us who could be impacted the most? Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. All of us will be. We, we won't None of us will escape it. It's very difficult to actually tell right now who's being impacted the most. I mean, I think, unfortunately, it's the people least equipped to deal with the change. I think it's going to be largely tropical nations and uh, countries that don't have the kind of infrastructure to uh, deal with changes in climate. So all the harvests failing, for example, um, um, rainfall changing they're talking about big changes to the monsoon system for example which is responsible for feeding a huge number of people in asia and in africa um so that's there's a big problem and it was discussed a lot at the recent cop 26 in glasgow the climate change uh, meeting of the un about the inequality that the people that effectively have put in the least amount of co2 into the environment are actually suffering the most right now. But ultimately that's gonna impact on all of us because if places become hard to live in, inhospitable, then it's just gonna re result in migration, mass migration. And we know, because we've had recent experiences of that, how problematic that is for every nation on earth. So I'm afraid there's no way out. It's, you know, if we let this happen, if we let climate change continue, um, then we're all gonna get impacted. Well, I just want to take a moment to say thank you for you and Colin's work on this. And you know, we really appreciate that William and Charles and Harry and so many members of the royal family are passionate about this. And it's it's so important. And so just thank you for this book and thank you for this work. And so I am not much of a math person, but if Earthshot were an equation, it would be urgency plus optimism equals action. So what kind of actions is Earthshot taking to better our planet? It's, it's action everywhere, really. So what we try and put across in the book, and especially in, in the part three of the book, is how every one of us can make a positive change. So we can do it at an individual level. By, let's say, changing our diet a little bit, having more plant-based diet, for example, as just an example. Um, or we can do it at the family level. So uh, we could perhaps change our energy provider so that we're just using renewables. Um, or we can do it at the community level, perhaps go and do beach cleans if you're nearby the sea, um, or change the, um, perhaps the provision of uh, recycling uh, in the local neighborhood. But the Earthshot Prize itself, um, you know, it encapsulates all of that kind of change and encourages it all, but it also promotes um, innovators out there who have come up with ideas that perhaps are scalable, 
and of universal interest so that they could be rolled out right across the planet and make really substantial material change to our chances of becoming sustainable on earth. So you just talked a little bit about some of the things people can do to promote a safer planet, but what kind of other actions do you suggest we might be able to do in our daily lives to just promote, um, you know, keeping, keeping the planet a, a healthy place? Okay, well, I think there's, there's three Fs. There's uh, fuel, as in fossil fuel, there's food, and then there's finance. And I think most of your listeners um, will probably be able to make some changes fairly easily that will have big uh, positive impacts on, on, it will reduce their carbon emissions as a, as a person, as an individual. Um, it will reduce the, if, the amount of biodiversity loss that you are in some indirect way responsible for. Um, so f in terms of fuel, the easiest thing you can do is look for a renewable tariff from your energy provider. And if they don't provide one, then move to a, a one that does. And those are very common now in most of the world. Um, obviously, there's a lot of conversation about changing your car uh, from diesel or gas to um, electric. Now, that's not ideal for everyone, of course, depending on where you live. But um, that's an option for some people in, the, in, in urban areas, I'd have thought. Um, when it comes to food, the general suggestion is moving towards more, more of a plant-based diet. That doesn't mean you have to abandon meat, but try um, to reduce it. Um, we've got into the habit, all of us, of expecting almost to eat meat three times a day. Well, you talk to your grandparents, that never happened back then <laughs> because meat was really expensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were satisfied and healthy, by the way, um, with having far less meat during the week, a um, bit of a roast maybe at the weekend or some, you know, some sort of meat at the weekend and perhaps some hams or cured meats or something during the week, a bit of cheese. So just reduce that. It's I've done it myself and it's um, much less painful than you might imagine <laughs> before you start. Um, and then beyond that, if you're talking about finance, which people very rarely think about, um, all of us have got our money somewhere. And the two places that are particularly impactful are where you bank and where you have your pension. And um, banks, well, unfortunately right now, there aren't many banks that aren't heavily invested in the sort of system that's messing up the planet. But there are ethical banks out there and it's increasing as well. Um, and if you, it's hard to move a bank. I'm, I grant you that's a tricky thing to do. But it's something that um, you could certainly ask about at your own bank. And then pensions is much easier to switch. Um, and in fact, most pension firms will have an ethical pension uh, these days. And that's a pension that doesn't invest in things that damage the environment, um, doesn't invest in arms, doesn't invest in um, just the, the negative stuff out there. And whereas they used to be quite rare and also didn't necessarily guarantee you the returns that you might have wanted from a pension, that's not the case anymore. And you've got to ask yourself, you know, what is that pension all about? It's about you putting aside money for a future. Um, if that money is going to invest in dismantling that future, it kind of sounds a bit crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you usually have to go on a website and click a box to change from a regular pension to an ethical pension. And that would change, if everyone did that, that would change 25% of the shares on earth. And you can, wow. you can 
better believe that the markets would respond to that. You're blowing my mind. I didn't, I, I, before, before you, I didn't know that that was a possibility. And I hope our listeners take all of that to heart because while we individually can't do everything, we can all do something to, to help our planet. And so I really appreciated that Earthshot has five great underpinning goals that if they're met, give us a chance of a stable and thriving future, the book says. So those five goals, listeners, are protect and restore nature, clean our air, revive our oceans, build a waste-free world, and fix our climate. So Johnny, how did you come up with these five goals? Yeah, they're all quite big to-do items, yeah. aren't they, on the they're list? Quite, they're quite um, ambitious. I'm uh, like, okay, no big deal, <laughs> fix our climate, check, check, check. I mean, that's uh, not going to happen tomorrow, but how did you come up with those goals? Well, what was important, I think, is once people start engaging in the, the crisis, which is the right word for it, that we're in, um, it can get paralyzing if you suddenly look around and think, well, what do I do first, you know, or how can I help, or how can I make any difference? Because there are so many problems that you could sum up out there. There is a huge long list. So it was important for us to simplify it. And uh, we conduct a lot of work with a bank of uh, experts, um, planetary scientists, and people from you know, high up in NGOs um, with the, uh, just seeking the advice on how best to compartmentalize the planetary problems. And those five things, they are big, as you say, but they, they feel like missions that we can engage with and get behind. And what I really like about them is that you can apply those five big goals to anything, the entire human race. You can imply, apply it to a school and they could do things to try and help uh, get to that, those goals, um, to your individual life, to your workplace, uh, maybe to the local um, you know, state uh, government. So any kind of scale of organization can organize itself around those five great ambitions. And of course, I don't know whether you're, well, you, you must recognize this, but the, the reason it's called an earth shot is because we're trying to emulate your great leaders, um, your Kennedy moonshot. in the past with his moonshot, <laughs> which, no, I um, love that. you know, the reason, yeah, the reason it was so, it's such a great term and it was such a captivating idea at the time uh, back when you talked about it in the early 60s, was it was so ambitious. It You know, he said, by the end of the decade, we'll do that, um, which was a crazy demand, really. But the craziness and the, the, the size of that ambition was what captivated people. And it required everyone to come together, um, to all play their part, to do something. And sure enough, there was a man on the moon before the end of the decade. So it was achieved. And I think that's really what Prince William was was hoping would pass on to the term Earthshot as well. No, that is certainly not lost on me. And it's also, it's a double entendre for me because it's, I, I get the moonshot connection and I love that, but it's also, we, we still have a shot at this earth thing that we love. You know, we, we, if we all play our part, we've got a shot to make it right. So I see it as, as, as both ways, but I love that connection. I, as a lover of history, especially, you know, I love President Kennedy and his work. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it really works. I mean, first time people hear the word quite often, you have to sort of explain it, but it, as a catchy term, it, it certainly works. And uh, I, I'm hoping it becomes, you know, part of normal conversation now that we talk about these earth shots. 
Well, it certainly is on this podcast. We we <laughs> say the word Earthshot quite frequently. If we had a one of those, uh, you know, clouds of what words do we say the most on this show? Definitely, Earthshot is in the top twenty-five for sure. That's fantastic. In the book, you write, humanity has never before had such a shared knowledge, never before had the ability to collaborate globally at such scale, never before had the extraordinary opportunity to create our own future. Are you hopeful of what we can do in the next 10 years? I, yeah, I am. I mean, as you said, the demand is extremely pressing and uh, huge in its, in its uh, scale. Um, but... There are lots of reasons for optimism. Um, it does feel, as someone who's been in trying to communicate this problem for over 20 years, it really feels as though momentum's gathering now. The conversation is becoming mainstream. Um, people who vote, people who spend money buying products now think about this as they do so. And that's when you really get swift change. Um, so we need kind of three things to shuffle along at the same time for the magic to happen, really. We need public desire for change to move along. And part of that's my job because I'm there communicating the stories. Um, and of course, Prince William's job in sense of framing um, the ambition, the, the sort of collective ambition. And then we need politicians and political bodies to, to respond to that desire and bring in no phased change, um, that's the best way of doing it, rather than suddenly landing people with new things, but phased change and directions of travel, that kind of stuff. And they're starting to do that. Well, of course they are, <laughs> to a big scale. And then you have um, the requirement of business to respond to the market and how that's changing, as we just spoke about. Um, actually, business can be faster in many cases because it doesn't have to wait for those electoral cycles. So. Those three things are all feeding each other. And what that means is that in the same way that we got into this mess in a kind of exponential way, <laughs> you know, if you look at all the graphs, they look terrifying because they just skyrocket towards the end of the graph. If you're talking about mountain deforestation or biodiversity loss or accumulation of carbon dioxide, etc., uh, In the same way that they skyrocketed, we could also recover the situation in an exponential fashion as well because of the self-feeding nature of this. So that's all a bit technical, but basically it means that uh, we can pull it off. And we, and uh, you know, I think those, those points were right before. We have never been so connected. And we are, after all, the greatest problem solvers that have ever lived on this planet. So if we get together with all our many minds and, and work in the same, on the same effort, there's every reason to believe in a rational sense that we've got a good chance of achieving it. I'm hopeful for what it's worth. I'm hopeful. So, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, it's so important to be hopeful. You know, that, that's what your equation earlier is really important. We, we uh, Christiana Figueres is one of the prize council members working with William. Um, she says it's our obligation to be optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> because if we're not, we'll be paralyzed. Uh, we won't be able to act. So, yeah. you know, we all have to be hopeful on purpose uh, because it gives us the energy we need to get it done. Yeah. And, and this, this is possible and, you know, it's, 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 it must be done, but it is, it is possible. And there is something, all of us, as I think you've outlined really brilliantly on, on this, on this, in this past conversation, past 20 minutes, 
it's something we all can do. We can all take part in this and do our part. And, you know, appropriately, as we wrap up our time with you, I want to point out this quote from the book. You write, so seize the moment, whoever you are and wherever you are. It's time to stop thinking about saving the world in terms of what we sacrifice but instead to think about what we can gain. So true. So true. So is that what you hope readers take away from reading Earthshot, Johnny? I do. I I think part of the story now is that the world that we have to build, we are committed to building this sustainable world. There's no, I mean, I sometimes say there's no alternative to a sustainable future (laughs) because it literally is. If you think about it, um, the, the, one of the great things about this story is that the sustainable world that we have to build is aspirational. It's win-win. It's not as if it's a, a worse place. I think originally, you know, back in the 80s, um, 90s maybe, when we were talking about environmentalism, people thought about having to give up so much and having to um, go back, you know, to the caves or whatever. Um, that's not the case now. We're talking about moving to a new phase where we're in balance with the planet because we understand ourselves and the planet so well. But the win-wins are amazing. You know, when you bring in renewable energy, it's cheaper. It's easier to get hold of in remote places. It's more democratic so people around the world can grab hold of it. They don't require someone to dig up some fossil fuel somewhere else because they don't have any resources themselves. Um, when you switch your diet, you actually get healthier. It's, uh, it's cheaper again to make that kind of food. Um, And so we keep finding win-wins in that future that we have to build. And uh, that just makes it more attractive. Absolutely. Well, we have, um, we certainly have a beautiful planet and it is so important to take care of it. Um, Listeners, Earthshot, How to Save Our Planet is out now. And thank you so much again, Johnny, for being here today. This has been a really great chat. My pleasure. Thank you. That was a really enjoyable conversation and I'm, I'm really glad we got to chat with him. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad we were able to, to get that interview in for our listeners and um, hope everyone enjoyed it. Yes. Well, don't forget to tune in next week for our top Royal moments of 2021. We always have, we had a lot of fun with that last year. So um, I, I really can't wait to see how how many we have in common because there's a lot to (laughs) there's a lot to unpack this year and this is the first full year like we started the show in November of last year so we barely had been covering this when we did that episode and we've been covering this the family every week of this entire year so it'll be a, a very interesting episode so and it's our 50th episode so pop the champagne for that so um anything else before we say goodbye I don't think so. I hope, um, you know, everyone is enjoying the Christmas season. I feel like we had a super festive episode this week. So just looking forward to um, connecting next week and sharing our list. Absolutely. Well, as ever, listeners, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Row, where I did post twice this week. Thank you very much. Um, it's pathetic. I need to do it a lot more. Um, email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. Follow, rate, review our podcast. It makes such a difference. I can't hammer that home enough. Thank you so much for being here. Episode 49 in the books. We're getting close to the holidays, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.